we're slowly crawling towards some semblance of a set of fixtures after whatever round of the A-League we just had. And the Destruction in the Box podcast is here to take you through every Friday night with no A-League, disastrous corner routine, and travelling cowbell chorus. My name's Rudy Etzel. I'm joined this week by Andrew Clark. Hey, Rudy. Anyway, and I'm also joined by Chris Alloy. How are you? G'day. How are you going? Good. Very good. And uh, Dan Fisher, as you probably have noticed, uh, if you follow him on socials, he's uh, he's had his second daughter last week. Um, young Maya Chloe came into the world, uh, so we're without him this week. So we've uh, we we've scoured we've scoured soccer Twitter for a replacement, and uh, we've lobbed in Sydney. I think this is the first a first for us. Sydney FC, technically a Sydney FC supporting uh, <laughs> panelist. It's Matt Coleman, uh, ex of Fox Sports. How are you, Matty? Yes, hello and welcome. Thanks, Rudy. Um, <laughs> yeah, good to be on, sort of finally. This has been a long time in the making. And um, yeah, this is, look, this this would have been one that probably a couple of years ago would have been seen to be a uh, like a big capture, a big coup for the podcast. <laughs> but sort of nowadays, it's, um, you know, now that I'm no longer there and have sort of come <laughs> back to the league, it's kind of like a little bit depressing. So I was trying to think of like a, a-League kind of equivalent. It's almost like it's basically the Bobo of the podcast, I think, in this situation <laughs> where it's good, good, good goal scoring record, but you see him on the pod and you're like, or on the field, and you're like, mate, what the fuck are you still doing here? <laughs> uh, I like that. I like that. Um, so you've, you've, um, you uh, got mutual, as it were, with Fox. Um, how long ago now? Uh, mate, just in the previous summer transfer window, and <laughs> isn't it just one of the great A-League things that it's, uh, look, you guys think that getting mutual is exclusive to on-the-pitch matters, but it can happen anywhere. It can happen, it can happen in the, uh, it can happen <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. boardrooms, it can happen with the broadcasters, it happens everywhere. But, um, look, the good news is that I've been, like, you know, pottering around doing a few things of, uh, of uh, signed up with Avid Sports an entertainment group, so I should uh, lob up as a video producer at Western Sydney Wanderers any day now. <laughs> it'll be it'll be good. Um, it'll be good to have them on side, Maddie, when your next manager tells you you're no longer in their plans. So that'll, <laughs> that'll be good. That, that'll I assume, be I assume you'll be uh, just filming those uh, those those um speeches that that Carl Robinson scripts himself. <laughs> like that video at the start of the season, um, but you have you've moved on to the, the you're working with the QSL. Is this correct? Yes, yeah, so I'm doing a little bit of uh, like I'm doing a few bits and pieces for uh, everyone around the traps. And yeah, one of the more interesting ones is working with the Qatar Stars League. And if uh, look, if you think that that memes and just general incompetence is only uh, is only restricted to the A League, then uh, yeah, you got a, another thing coming. So. Uh, probably really, um, the most most recent example of that was, so, you know, the QSL, much like the A-League, had a hiatus and then came back from COVID to finish off a season in a, in a rushed matter. And they decided, um, so they decided just at the end of the season that, hey, we're going to start the next season in two weeks. Um, just like immediately the day after. But the problem, the, the problem that makes that difficult is that you've got uh, promotion relegation. So these poor blokes that had just won the second division were coming up 11 days later against Al Saad, who were coached by Xavi, <laughs> uh, that have uh, Akram Afif, 
and uh, Hassan Al Haydos, who obviously from um, Qatar's win in the Asian Cup, and just like yeah, so this poor second division side had to go scrounging around trying to find like you know blokes with whatever passport they can to be like, yeah. hey, do you want to play QSL next week? Yeah, we're only playing like the you know one of the best teams in Asia, so. Uh, so uh, rightly, rightly got pumped six one in the first game of the season, but it's uh, yeah. Look, it's certainly an interesting league, and uh, yeah, for more of for more inf- uh, for more QSL observations, uh, yeah, you can tune into my podcast Inshallah in the box. So that's uh, so that's going along nicely as well. Six one six one when you've been promoted and it's the, the the one of the best teams in Asia. That's one of those games where you go in at halftime and you go. Let's just try and win the second half, lads. <laughs> what the scores off, it doesn't matter. Just yeah. win the second uh, half. And these guys are like, I signed a guitar for the working conditions. I can't deal with this. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, might, might just have a bit of A-League slash QSL crossover news for you, which is, oh, um, I don't know, this, don't know how much of this an exclusive it is, uh, just from the fact that I know that you are all keen observers of the Qatar Stars League. Uh, among many leagues in the uh, Middle East. But, uh, yeah, Issa Is, the ex-Adelaide uh, United midfielder, is a bit out of favour there. Uh, did his hammy just before Christmas, and um, they kind of had the same rules that we have as far as foreigners. And uh, his plus-one Asian spot uh, was taken up by a January signing. So he's just kind of sitting around just rehabbing and uh, just... Well, there's not much he can do. Like, you know, so he's being superseded at his club, Al-Wakra, who are in re- relegation danger. And, uh, yeah, there's a couple of A-League clubs sniffing around for his services. Ooh. So if he, lobs up, so if he lobs up at a uh, an A-League club near you, in particular if they have United in their name, then it's, uh, you know, where you heard it first. <laughs> mm, that's very exciting. Would absolutely love to see him back, particularly in the red of uh, Adelaide United, as you said. Um yeah, there you go. We've become a newsbreaking podcast. There you go. That was awesome. There, there you go. Yeah, QSL um, correspondent. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Um, all right, we uh, we are still going to do observations uh, as usual. Um, I'm going to kick it off. We've got a bit of a mutual mutuality themed sort of setup here so far, so I thought I'd continue with that. Um, listener and friend of the pod, Joseph Ryan, alerted us to um, some cross sport mutuality going on. Uh, with the Melbourne Stars uh, tweeting out that they'd uh, come to a mutual agreement with batsman Ben Dunk for him to leave the club after, uh, I think, a couple of years' service. So it's good to see uh, it's good to see the mutuality craze catch on, cross code. It's perfect. It's what the BBL needs, I reckon, a bit more mutuality. Like who said the only thing with the A League, the Big Bash? Yeah. Who said we couldn't be a market leader? Like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, Clarky, what's uh, what's your observation of the last week? Uh, well, just as we went to air last week, we got the uh, sad news that uh, ex Socceroos manager uh, Fenric Frank Arok sadly passed away at the age of eighty eight last Tuesday. Uh, Frank coached the Socceroos in 89 internationals and at the Seoul 1988 Olympic Games. Uh, He also had extensive coaching experience at club level, coaching the likes of St. George Saints, South Melbourne, Port Melbourne, Gippsland Falcons and Sydney Olympic. Uh, His last role in Australian football was as a youth coach at Perth Glory in the early 2000s. 
Uh, Frank was made a, a member of the Order of Australia for Services to Soccer in 1990 and was inducted into the Football Australia Hall of Fame in 1999. Uh, Frank will forever be fondly remembered for his extensive knowledge of the game, an impeccable eye for young talent and motivational skills and lessons which still to this day inspire Australian footballers here and abroad. Ex-soccer is Captain Paul Wade put it perfectly when he said he convinced us that losing 1-0 wasn't good enough. Some of his pre-match talks, he was covered in sweat. He was so passionate a lot of the time. We didn't understand what he said, but boy, <laughs> we know that we were going to go out and play for our country. Vale, Fenric, Frank, a rock. Lovely. Well said. That's really well, nice. Is that lucky? I, um, my favourite uh, Frank story is that when uh, we're trying to qualify for, I think it was the 1986 World Cup, and it was a two-legged game against Scotland who were managed by Fergie at that point. Um, mm -hmm. They were going to come down here to play, and Frank said, I want him in Darwin yeah. on an absolute <laughs> track in a steaming heat. Yeah. And the FF, whatever they were called at the time, like soccer, uh, soccer, well, like, soccer Federation of Australia. Soccer Federation said, no, we'll make more money if we have it in Melbourne cool J july or june night in melbourne or whatever it was and and the scots did us two nil but he wanted uh, he wanted to go full uh mental disintegration full full uh psychological warfare and they wouldn't let him unfortunately the kind the kind of stuff that uh we we hailed Hus for doing um 20 years later uh, chris o. yeah that's that also is my you know obviously a bit before my time uh frank but um yeah that's a, a fantastic tale and i think what andrew touched on there was he was, you know, certainly wasn't just for him a matter of us just trying and, and, and you know, try and get along, try and eke our way through. He was like, no, like that Paul Wade story. You go out there and you, you thrive. Like I think they took apart a um, a, a world-class Yugoslavia team in his um, in, in during his tenure, which at the time was absolutely no mean feat whatsoever. So, um, yeah, huge, you know, uh, Hall of Fame member and uh, of the code. And, and yeah, hopefully um, – you know, we can, you know, do do something for him uh, or, or we can harness the attitude that uh, he brought to the game well ahead of his time. Yeah, a great a great man and a, a huge loss uh, to the sport of football. Uh, Matt, what's your uh, observation of the week? Uh, weekend observation was uh, Luke Braddon in the 18th minute of a Sydney derby uh, taking a corner and falling uh, flat on his ass, and then <laughs> took the cow's route. With the next one, and uh, was duly punished by taking a short corner and getting caught off, getting caught offside. Uh, that led Bozza to muse that, um, well, uh, both Harps and Bozza to muse in commentary whether he was wearing rubbers or not, and it led me to think that if uh, <laughs> that if one of our podcast hosts had been doing that nine months ago, we wouldn't currently be in this situation. Oh, oh, oh boy! Oh, oh. oh. You're, you can. You can drop your mic there, Matty. That's... Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh... <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully, Dan's wife doesn't listen to the pod. Uh, Chris, -o, what's uh, what's what's your observation this week, mate? Well, obviously, we're a bit light on on content because we're light on games. Um, you know, of late, I think. You know, um, so that that fact has and coupled with, um, of. You know, some of my colleagues here at Destruction in the Box have encouraged me to steer my material down a more family-friendly path. Uh, that that's led me to prepare something accordingly here tonight. Now, something lighthearted and interactive 
just to help Maddie get warmed up, though he seems pretty steaming right now. Um, you know, so <laughs> steaming I like thought, Darwin. He's steaming like Darwin. So I thought I'd prepare, um, you know, to fill the void of, of content, as it were. I'd um, prepare a little bit of an A-League quiz. Now, it's a little game we're going to play. You can play along at home as well. It's obviously for you three gentlemen in the first instance. It's a multiple choice, and it's it's sort of based around numbers, and there, there can be more than one correct answer. Now, I'm sorry if that's confusing. I'll just give you an example test question. So the format will be as follows, all right? So the number one is A, a jersey number commonly worn by goalkeepers, B, the amount of player, se- player of the season awards won by Archie Thompson at Melbourne Victory, or um, C, the number of medical marijuana businesses owned by Tony Sage. So this is the format that it's going to go down. So <laughs> you, I've got three or four here lined up. Some may hit the cutting room floor. We'll find out. Um, are we ready? I love it when you do it. I love it when you do a concept piece, Christo. I love it. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So the number 66 is A, the total number of A-League bookings earned by Matt Simon. B, the current age of Ernie Merrick, or C, the total number of A-League bookings earned by Manny Musket? Ticks. has to be, I reckon it's C, Manny Musket. Yep, what do you guys reckon? I'll go B, Ernie Merrick. No, well, Ernie Merrick has, has to be older. I would have, yeah, let's go with uh, Matty Simon for the amount of bookings. Probably one red card and probably one goal <laughs> off the bench in the last 50 games <laughs> or whatever it is. Uh, Matty, you're correct. 66 is the total number of A-League bookings earned by Matt Simon. Ernie Merrick, 68. And Manny Muskets had 76 bookings. So, <laughs> um, more bookings than Matt Simon. Uh, is that more bookings? So, all right. Next question. Um, number The number two is A, the Socceroos jersey number worn by Aziz Bayic at the 2018 World Cup. B, the number of divisions favoured by pro-rel advocates on Twitter. Or C, the, the average number of bailouts the Newcastle Jets require each decade. Oh, Jesus. Savage. Savage. Is it not all of the above? Yeah, uh, I think it might be all well, of the above. No, no. Number two. Number A, the okay. Socceroos jersey number worn by Aziz Bayhitch. He's a left back, so he would wear number three. Uh and yes, B and C would be acceptable answers in that instance. <laughs> All right. Now, depending on what we think after this last question, we do have another one, but we'll, we'll see where that ends up. Uh, Fair enough. The number five is A, the number of A-League games played in the last fortnight, B, the number of A-League clubs who signed to Saka Cernak, or C, the amount of times a Western United player has to call Mark Rudin until he part- picks up the phone. So, <laughs> um, it's A. That's correct, and and I'll yeah. and because B is six. Uh, so Sonak was signed by six different clubs. Yeah, um, um, the, the I thought it was six or seven. One. I think that was a little bit uh, mischievous. I don't think any of that was actually. Oh yeah, like, it's, it's, yeah. it's a joke. I don't think it's any of that's actually going on. Yeah, yeah. Now, but um, it, that was there was a bit of that on on Twitter. Everyone sort of assumed that was uh. Yeah, that was a bit. That was rude. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was. Certainly, we're, um, our good friend Josh Parrish was saying it wasn't. We're just making a little joke here. So, hmm. based on what but, you've heard, yeah, so you I, thought you were, I thought you were one of those, mate. I thought you were a good person. 
<laughs> All the smiles quite big. You know you're in trouble now, Chris. <laughs> Are we right for one more, or is that maybe enough? Yeah, go for gold. Go, go for one more. Bonus, don't we? All right. Yeah. The number zero is. I'm not sure if numbers zero. Okay. The numeral zero. <laughs> zero is a. The number of winning Sydney Derby games played in by Alex Bomyahan. B. The amount of sods turned at Western United's proposed stadium site. Or C. <laughs> the amount of fucks given by Ned Zelich regarding COVID nineteen. Ooh. <laughs> It's got to be all of them. Doesn't all three, it? I think. Yeah, I, I did enjoy. I did enjoy Ned's Twitter work the other day, where he posted one of those like really, really like sort of Facebook memes. The the photo of the lion. And it says the truth yeah. is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose, and it will defend itself. Yeah, it's real it's deep. Very poetic from Ned. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's uh, a. It's a D. All of the above. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that was it. Thanks for playing. Hope that you guys here and those playing along at home enjoyed our bit of A-League trivia tonight. Mm, indeed. Very, very, very good, good stuff. Chris, very good. Uh, let's talk some football. Second, show, boys. second best uh, A-League quiz show after Game of Two Halves. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that at this stage. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly, we will. Um, born to runner up, baby. Uh, all right, let's talk some football. And I think we'd be remiss to start anywhere but the Lock Puyo bicycle goal. Uh, Carissa, I think you've written in here. It's going to be, it was sumptuous and will be hard to top for goal of the season. I, I wrote that. I think it was Maddie, though, or maybe yourself, Rude, who's, uh, um, you know, said it was the Alex Terror, which it was. It was a, just a perfectly, a flawlessly executed bicycle kick. Um, from the Frenchman, um, who, who'd been a bit quiet perhaps in the first um, couple hitouts, I thought. But geez, he, he's um, certainly, um, you know, that's that was immense, incredible. Yeah, that was uh, that was mine. It did have that hint of the, yeah, just that Alex Terra bicycle. I think on a late Saturday night, it's kind of like you know burn into the memory away at Perth, where you know it wasn't, it didn't get up particularly high and not with a lot of force, but very difficult with that ball being deflected. Just sort of reposition and just give that little tickle uh, past Chris Lynn and goals for the uh, for the opener. <laughs> it was a, I was... put in my sort of pre-match notes that Puyo hadn't done much to date, Chris. So as you said, and I I'd sort of made a note that if he continued to do nothing in this game, that I was going to tee off this week. And then the bloke just comes out and hits an overhead kick. All right, mate. Like and, that's fine. You and an assist as, did he have the assist as well for the other goal? Yeah, from the corner. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. big day for Lowick. Yes, indeed. Uh, it was pretty um, – uh, the Newey-McArthur uh, game, the other point of diff- the other point to talk about in that game really was that late – the late drama with the, the handball non-call that ended ended the game in a chorus of boos. Um, I quite enjoyed the, the visual of um, Bougard, like he's shaking hands with Mark Milligan but at the same time abusing the ref for, for not getting the goal right. Um, I think technically you can it's, task. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the summer of Nige once more. Um, but it's technically – they technically made the right call, yeah, because, uh, Chris, so they've changed the, the rule around uh, handball now, and if it's like, if, if it's played off your foot, then it's not handball if you play it to your own hand or, or something. Yeah, correct interpretation as far as um... – I think it was a recent change uh, by IFAB, but it was Holman slid in and um, the, the tackle uh, it hit his trailing hand 
Um, so it's a, I think you've said here, Maddie, you probably know a bit more about these sort yeah. of technical matters. It's a free kick in elsewhere, but not there. Well, that's just it. Like, you know, I went back. That, that was something that sort of stuck in my mind. I had noticed kind of that challenge a little bit earlier. And, yeah, so not 10 minutes before, uh, young Holman slides in and kind of mistimes a bit of a tackle and ball, you know, comes off him and hits his hits his arm that's on the ground. And that's mm. given a free kick and nobody, like, bats an eyelid. But then suddenly in the box and, like, you know, I know that you've got the interpretation, like you've got the the rules that are rewritten and, you know, via the eye, the interpretation of it is correct, but it's just, it, it does really sort of defy, uh, you know, the pub test and the common sense test. So just like, you know, even, so if he's d- play, even if he's played, so he's played the ball and he smashed it into his own forearm, which like, you know, is not up against him or, you know, there's all that chat about silhouette and all the rest of that. And yeah, and, and suddenly like that's play on all of a sudden because it's in the box. But if he had been an attacking player, then if that had a, you know, if that's an attacking player in the box, then any single time that it touches a hand, well, that gets yeah. blown up. So there's just no, there's no consistency across the board with any of this. And that's the, the thing, thing that sort of needs to be. Yeah, the thing to up. me is that it's it seemed like, like he directly benefited from the ball touching his hand. Like he sort of, it was, like yeah. he essentially controlled it that way. And to me, that's, that's at least the spirit of the rule should be that you shouldn't be advantaged by the ball hitting your hand. I, yeah. I don't know. I can, I can see why it's technically right, but geez, it felt so, so weird for that not to be a penalty. Didn't this, it, but... Yeah. It's just that silhouette rule type thing. You, you mentioned that before Matt about the, the, the natural silhouette of, of the body. So that doesn't apply if it, if it comes off your foot, it just seems like needlessly pedantic sort of, gray area it's like well if he was observing a quote-unquote natural silhouette then that ball that comes off his foot doesn't strike his hand his arms like way out there and then it hits that so it's like well where's the natural silhouette argument come in and it's just for me it's all just a little bit confusing they've tried to make the the handball rule a heck of a lot clearer but and they've probably cleared it up in a few sort of instances but there's all these new instances and scenarios where we're like well that should be a penalty and it's not and like yeah the rule was adjudicated properly but the rule is cooked yeah yes. like the rule is cooked yeah i, I don't want to sort of go all cross code on it but it sort of made me think of there have been instances in uh in cricket under drs where 20 20 years ago if you weren't playing a shot and you're wrapped anywhere near in the pads lb like you know you the finger goes straight up and nobody thinks anything of it and now the kind of DRS you refer to that, but it, you know, it's like, oh, you know, he wasn't he wasn't playing a shot, but he was still kind of outside the line. But you know, by you know, it it's, sounds such a um, speculation. Yeah, like, it, like, like, it, it, it doesn't seem like it seems really counterintuitive to, to, to seem like okay, I know that it wasn't um, it wasn't exactly out. But like it looks out, and for and for me, like that looks like handball. You know, even yeah. if it's by, you know, even if it's like it's sort of technically not, and it's like you know, yes, you know, you've you've thrown up the thing, and he's played the ball, and it's it's an accident. Like you know, it's not hand to hand to ball, and all this. And like it's it's just one of those where it's just you you, you almost have to revert to common sense. Again. Does that look like the biggest handball you've ever seen? And you go yes, and if you point to the spot. 
so if he points to the if um, Ben Abrams points to the spot there, does anybody like does anybody from Carter blow up? Well, just yeah, and do, do the VAR overturn it? No, like same same deal. Yeah, I just don't think anyone would have had it. It's like they talk about like to, to use your cricket sort of example. Cricketers will will say, "I don't care what DRS says." that was out because you play cricket and you know what's out, you know? Yeah. And it's so, kind of like that. Like you watch enough football, you play enough football, you know what handball is. That was handball. It was just, it was just straight up was handball. Yeah. No one on Twitter was going, oh, actually that's not a handball. Like there was Poindexter's going, but oh, by the rules, it's a handball. But like everyone who watches football is like, mate, that was an underarm server volleyball essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we agree it's a shit rule interpreted correctly. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah. Exactly, yes. that's exactly uh, what it is. Perfect way to describe strong, it. Strong wrist by Sujna there to keep that out. I think yeah. it's uh, described that in goalkeeping terms. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, MacArthur, uh, after that result, though, so they beat Newcastle 2-1. They battled really to that, that three points in the end. But um, they're top of the league. And all they probably have to do to continue being top of the league for the rest of the season is play like two or three games more than every other team around them. If they get to the end of the season having played 50 games, they're morals to finish top. And play the way they did for the first half hour or so of, of that game. I, um, I Who put these comments here, though? Um, they MacArthur looked really good early, and I think we'll, it looked like a rout could be imminent after they were 2-0 up after not long. But was that you, Rudy, or, or Clarky or Matty, who doesn't rate the Bulls? I came away from that game being very unimpressed with the Bulls post the 30-minute mark. Um, It's our man, L.A. Rose, put on a bit of a (laughs) clinic for for that one. He was very good, young Lockie Rose. But under no circumstances should he be the best player on that team. And he looked like that going forward. There was just – there was not enough from from a lot of players and that. um, You know, Derbyshire barely involved, only had – you know, sixteen passes, and most of those came in the first half after he um, after he scored and hit the post, and just wasn't enough from Sisayeta and Benyat. I think in that scenario, just completely anonymous, especially in that second half. And I think you know that you you know when you're in a bit of trouble against the Jets when you have Topo Stanley and Bugard who look are not the most mobile, are not the youngest, just camp like camping, not even at the halfway mark. Like for most of that second half, they were ten meters into into the bull's half and just spraying it around as they, um, as they please. So yeah, just very, um, I'm kind of glad that Milicic uh, admitted as much that uh, they weren't very good in that second half and playing a bit of basketball. Cause otherwise I thought they would be in big trouble. There just wasn't enough there from one, a team that's allegedly top of the table and two against the team that has been, probably the worst in the league so far this year. I, I love – that's the point I was going to raise, Matty. Uh, did you see the the, the quotes from um, uh, Ante? Um, he, he's, yeah, we look like a basketball team. I love that. That's uh, – that's to say you look like you're playing a different sport, it's a different kind of criticism. Uh, so – and not one that I've encountered uh, in the A-League. But, yeah, they were just hoofing it. And, yeah, easy pickings for um, the summer of Nige and, and the Newcastle defence to pick off. So I, I think they've – Certainly, they're patchy. They've shown some good bits of play, but certainly there's some areas to work on. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they go moving yeah. forward. 
On the other side of the equation, Clarkie, uh, Newcastle, I thought, really impressive in that second half and arguably stiff not to to uh, not to, to get a point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we look at the uh, the penalty shout right at the end there. But in the second half, Newey had plenty of chances and a couple in the first half. I think um, Roy O'Donovan um, took a shot on that all he needed to do was just slide it across to Valentino Yule and it would have been like a goal all day. Um, speaking of Valentino Yule, continues to impress just what you could see when you give a guy like that more games. We didn't see anywhere near enough from him last year and I think that at times Western United probably could have done with with someone like him his um his power and his pace which is something that we oh, people laugh about <laughs> in this league is is something that he can he can it can be quite profitable and it's I think results, he's, he's stupid good, chief yeah <laughs> put in a couple of really good balls defense splitting passes he he keeps working he falls down he gets back up it's he, yeah he's been impressive there was, a lot been, of that yeah. from, there was a lot of that from Newey yesterday where, uh, as you said, Clarky, it's if only, you know, Roy had it just found Valentino and that was a bit where Yule could have played a pass through to uh, the young right, right back, uh, Margase, who came on yeah. and just had that sort of overlap where it's just a, there were just those sort of things with connection where it's, you know, the give it a decision. They'll like, that'll, that'll click. So I don't think, you know, it's... It's very easy to be uh, downbeat about the whole Newcastle situation, you know, whether they, you know, don't have an owner or a coach or can't get paid or all the rest of that. But there was sort of enough there on the on the pitch where you think, like, they're not a million miles away here. Give it a couple of weeks, mm. and Absolutely. and that was and that result, like that might that probably should have been three points for them if they yeah. have another couple of weeks under their belt. And who yeah. and who knows when they played two more games? It could be, you know, they've got a. They've got a run of fixtures coming up, but you know, with COVID, they could be in six months' time. Yeah, well, they've yeah. just got to get points on the board. I mean, as you said, they they haven't been awful, but it's they're not getting the results. And if that continues, you know, they're nearly there, nearly there, but not getting the results. Eventually, the heads will start to drop the confidence. It's like they need they need some reward for what has been pretty decent work, considering the circumstances. Hmm. Yes, indeed. Um, speaking of uh, reward for effort, the uh, I thought that uh, Western Sydney were pretty decent value in the um, in the derby against Sydney. Um, I think was it uh, Mark Goosh made lots of pretty uh, quite quite a few decent saves, um, and they yeah they seem to be derby specialists or derby's derby specialists I should say. Now um, I think it's over two two calendar years since they last lost one. Um, the Wanderers, twenty eighteen, uh, yeah. I think. Yeah, and so one one again, um, and uh, uh, I'm sure it will warm the hearts of uh, every A League fan to see James Troisi get on the score sheet for for the Wanderers. We certainly got a a mention from uh, Josh Patel, our good friend, who we were speaking about last week, who uh, is the president, pretty much of the the Jimmy T fan club and and sole member and sole member. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it's AI. Uh, I've like um I still have a, a bit of time for James Troisi, like. Maybe possibly against my better judgment, but it was yeah, it was it was a decent goal, decent reward for effort, like I said. And they, I thought, I thought, um, I thought Western City Wanderers, they're, they're sort of working into this season pretty well, I think. Well, as we've seen with uh, Carl's work at uh, Newcastle, it only takes eleven games to build a team, so I expect to see some <laughs> some progress um, in a pretty rapid time with Carl at, at um 
at um at Western Sydney. In all fair, in all seriousness, I, I you know these been they've been quite good. I know young um um in the two games um that he's played, young Tommy Aquilina, um obviously been built by Carl Robinson, but um Carl Robinson, but he's looked good. He's he seems to have displaced the um Daniel Georgievsky, which personally pleases me. And yeah, young Daniel Margush, as you said, especially came up big early to when the pressure was on because Sydney came out looking, you know, yeah. looking like Darwin in 1986, and um, <laughs> he 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 was good there. He, he was immense. So yeah, some good signs for Western uh, Sydney, and uh, and not yeah. before time because they've um they they need to be a juggernaut out there. They really do. Yeah, too. Yeah, Nikolai was... Muller's looking really good as well. Probably someone who was interrupted last his season last year was interrupted, and we know probably the quality that he brings. He's started very, very brightly, and looks like he's got his shooting boots on this season. He's he's continued to start the season really well. Yes, yeah, I think yeah, changing the game off the bench was Carl uh, Robinson's favourite, Bernie Abini, who looked very dangerous uh, when he came on, and you know without. You know, without sort of uh, straying into uh, into cliche, uh, he has added power to that natural pace game. <laughs> uh, he has so, like you know, you always you always had the always had the tricks, always had the speed uh, cutting in uh, and taking on defenders. But now there was like there was a lot of interesting sort of non Bernie Abini work. There was a lot of holding it up and a lot of bringing other other players into play. So I I think we've you know. Might have a bit of a late bloomer, but he might have added something else to his game here. If you can increase that bit of hold-up play, you might end up, you might end up turning into an out-and-out striker, Bernie Beanie, rather than just a, a wispy winger cutting in all the time. But it was a very impressive cameo, and we'd like to see whether he can maintain the rage for that uh, for a ninety-minute performance. But yeah. I, I, I think he certainly changed the momentum when he came yeah. on, and um, yeah, and had Luke Braddon of all of all people, um, chasing shadows for a lot of that second half. Yet another testament to Carl Robinson's building skills. Um, there was some lulls to be had for the the members of the opposite of the James Truissy fan club, I suppose you'd say, um, when he was responsible for the penalty that uh, earned Sydney their goal. Um, it's one of those ones where, like, Ninkovic made quite a bit of it and looked for the contact, but mm. you could see Truisi look at Ninkovic, decide to get in his way, and then and then knock him over. I had, I had no problems yeah. with that being a pen, Clarky. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you saw it in real time. Truisi does make that movement towards in that towards Ninkovic or across the path there. Look, on another day, maybe another ref waves that away, but. I have I have no problem with that being called a penalty. Like putting mayonnaise on top of something doesn't make it any less of a penalty. Um, so yeah, yes, indeed. Um, Trent Bahaja looked at a million bucks just quietly. You were talking before about Margarish making some uh, some early saves. A couple of them were off Bahaja, who's yeah. We sort of predicted in the preseason that. Uh, um, uh, they don't have a, an out-and-out striker. Trent Bahaja will just step up and, and do the job, and he looks pretty good. He didn't um, didn't score in this game, to be fair, but he looks every time he gets behind. My my word, he looks seriously scary. I suppose he's pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I suppose, quick. 
I suppose that means that is now Bobo going to be playing the uh, Matt Simon role of the Graham Arnold victory cigar that only gets 10 minutes at the end of the game when they're 1-0 up and uh, yeah, pops, a yellow, pops a yellow and just otherwise just shithouses his way through the uh, through the final stands of the game. Hey, 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 you retire. You either retire early enough to be a le- to be a you know like a, a goal scoring legend of the A League, or you live long enough to be Matt Simon. That's the only option. I, I'd like him to try <laughs> and knock knock over uh, Manny Musket's booking record, though. I'm not, that's what I'm looking for from Bobo. Yeah, <laughs> he's got the goals record. Yeah, yeah, he moves on to big, bigger fish fry. <laughs> Yellow cards. That's what's really appreciated in Australian football. Exactly. How's, uh, by the way, how's poor old Ziggy Gordon having to play centre back in the like the the blazing heat for the first half, Matt? I know you've <laughs> you've called it cruel I, I, and unusual punishment. I, I did, and it was sort of even more cruel and unusual that he wasn't playing uh, right wing back, as in like you know he was. He couldn't just uh, run up and down the touchline and kind of accept his fate. It was being at the right side of that three. He was just like ten meters away from, like, from the comfort of the shade. So he just like every, you know, you just could see that he just wanted to drift over a little bit, uh, but he was just uh, unfortunately stuck out there. Sort of reminds me of a, um, you know, this obviously doesn't work without the visual, but there was a uh, a Sydney FC playing Perth. Uh, one day, uh, one afternoon, then blazing heat as you want to do, and if Ryan Grant's heat map was uh, available, it would have just been like this one strip down the touchline of the five <laughs> of the five meters that were in shade. Ryan Grant was just doing, <laughs> just doing doggies up and down the touchline. Pass the ball to me. Pass the ball. Oh, I didn't get it. I'm going to have to go back. But it, while the uh, the other 21 players were out there roasting in the uh, in the midday sun. Ryan Grant was just a loving life on the uh, on the sideline, and uh, yeah, it's truly stuns a little bit of that. He's got football IQ, Ryan Grant. It's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, before we move on from the the Sydney Derby, actually, uh, listener Dan uh, at Dan underscore M seven eight five on Twitter, he tweeted us to say that the stadium had run out of beer pre kickoff. Really? <laughs> That's, that's <laughs> my worst fear anywhere. Anywhere running out of beer is just pretty, horrifying. It's pretty grim stuff. He said, I can't. I don't have the tweet in front of me, so I can't remember. He said it was a couple of, it was like um, Han Light and Great Northern or something like that. And he said, and they've run out of it pre-kickoff anyway. So he sent us a photo. He's drinking CC and dry, which is, yeah, it's that hot. I can understand that. It's a step, well, up, from those, it's a step up from the two beers you've just mentioned. Yeah. That's happened at Stadium Australia before when there's been like eighty five thousand for a Bledisloe, but it's like it was like twelve thousand there at the Wanderers game. How do you not? How do you not stock well, up? Maybe they, maybe they maybe they figured their um their their chances of hosting any sport ever again were gone, and so they just cancelled all the tap contracts. <laughs> <laughs> They've got all these taps for show. It's like we we just can't put. Kegs up to them. <laughs> Did they do like when a like a pub like that's hosting a gig runs out of beer? They just run down to the botsy, get some slabs and an esky, and then start selling just stubbies over the bar. Do you reckon they went like that? I no, because the, the nearest bar is about five k's away. It's in like in the middle of. Oh nowhere. yeah, nothing's around there. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. right. No, I genuinely so. thought they bulldoze that stadium. That shows how much attention I pay. But, well, they were going yeah. to, and they have done with the. SFS, but um, yeah. it must have gotten a stay of execution somehow. I'm not, I'm not sure. Not not across the public. Uh, uh, that piece of Australian public. history got saved. It was public yeah. outcry at the at the one time waste of taxpayer money. I think that literally was the reason. That's they, probably fair enough. 
yeah. they destroyed. They're doing more parks. They said we'll leave Ownbush for a little while. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, let's move on to the Western United Melbourne City game. Uh, Jamie McLaren with the winner is always going to uh, pop up and score in this game. Really, uh, they've never beaten City yet. Um, Western United never lost a victory. Never beaten City, and. Um, it's. I didn't. I, honestly, I thought they were pretty good value in this game. Uh, it was good to see uh, Ivan Vujic get on the score sheet. He, they, remember, he he missed all of last season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He missed all of last season, and I think um, as there is, you know, like I think there might have been rumours about like a potential uh, Scott McDonald esque sort of like um, like rubbing up the coach the wrong way. Um, as we said, those those kind of rumours tend to pop up about Mark Rudan, unfortunately, uh, as we mentioned earlier with uh, with with that stuff. But um, fair play to to it. Like, uh, he got a song out of Future straight up. I think it was his first start for Western United, and he scored within half an hour. Yeah, no, nah, he was he was good, and it's just it's just a good story after everything you said, Rudy, to see him on the pitch and scoring, and then then he ran, he bypassed all his teammates, and then ran straight to the coaching staff and individually thanked them with a smile and a handshake. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's pretty good, and it's sort of uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see. It's really nice to see. Um, City though were, uh, I mean, they were they were very city about this one. The, the lunar ball for the goal, uh, beautiful, the, the winner. So good, so so good, and they've just got so much talent on that on that like in that side. It's nice. Um, I've written in here. It's nice to see Craig Noon actually producing. He's sort mm. of like he sort of teases a lot. He's got he um, threatens. Good he threatens twenty seven yeah. games a year. He just yeah, just can't put it in. And then yeah, just dance around a couple of blokes and then slams one home on his right foot. I don't. I don't think any of us would expect him to do that, uh, Chriso. No, look, he threatened. He's he's done. He's scored, and he's done some. He's had some good patches, but yeah, he's he general. Yeah, it has end product like so many uh, who ply their trade on these shores. End product can be lacking. So, um, look, he's been he's been pretty good for them, but yeah, hasn't shown something like that for for some time. So it was a really nice hit, and, and obviously a nice team goal for J Mac. Like you said, he scores every week, and um, the 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 impact of young um, was it Tilio and, and Kolakovsky. Yeah. I think, like you said, United had been pretty decent. Um, but then, um, yeah, those two youngsters, Steph Kolakowski and, uh, and young Marco Tilio, um, came on and, and really, you know, made a difference. Yeah, well, um, J-Mac largely hadn't even touched the ball in the second half. And then Paddy Kiznorbo sort of bit the bullet and made a change, brought on some kids, took off some experienced heads and... As you said, they changed the game. So Kolakowski has some serious wheels on him and, and a haircut to boot. Yeah. So um, you know uh, how we like haircuts on this podcast. So That was just a typical Jamie McLaren sort of performance though, wasn't it? Where it's just, you know, by the time you get to that second half, you're sitting around going, geez, I haven't, I haven't seen J-Mac on the ball for a while. He hasn't so touched him. And then, and then he, he suddenly gets, touches. Yeah, and then he suddenly pops up with the, uh, with the winner. And, like, you know, he's always going to be, He's on a bit of a hiding to nothing, J Mac. Like he's constantly sort of expected to drop, uh, to drop deep and collect those balls. Where you know, he, mm. and despite him saying that, no, 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 my best, you know, I, I do my best work in the box. I do my best work in the box. You know, he, he, um, yes, yeah, sometimes gets unfairly criticised because he's not doing enough of that, um, like enough of that work and sort of being a distributor. But you know, when you're scoring, you know, when you're scoring every game. 
then you know you can kind of deal with having a little bit of a passenger for a twenty minute period if he's going to lob up with the uh, with the winner. Once well, he's scored about- twenty a season, I don't care if he if he doesn't exactly, drop exactly. deep every game. It's like he scored twenty goals this season. We scored forty for the yeah. the entire season. That's fine. That's the thing about J Mac as well, isn't it? Like he's he's signed here for on a really long deal, right? It's like he's got another it's like four, four seasons, years. It? So it's another. Yeah. I think it's another. Oh, it's at least another three. Yeah. So he has. He has. Yeah. That's like realistically, he has. If he doesn't leave, he has four golden boots in his future because he's probably just going to keep winning them. He just scores both goals at this level, and he'll become the all-time leading goal scorer. I mean, he's now only ten behind Archie. Um, you know, he's what is he now? That's he's only okay. You say only fifty. He's only fifty goals or something behind the the outright lead if he stays for the length so of that contract three seasons. given yeah. his history he he absolutely pisses that in yeah. so you think so the only threat is i mean threat is a, maybe not the right term to use but the only the only thing stopping him is if he goes back to europe that's yeah. the only, only thing really he's just like, well, I mean, I wouldn't really. be we all know right that he's now. too good for this league, but we, he's got to find the right fit because I think there's probably some places in Europe where you think, oh, maybe he could work. And it's, he's. I think J Max got to find the right fit, and whether that's in Europe, maybe that's in Asia somewhere. I think he, he'd be very profitable in Asia somewhere like Korea, maybe even Japan. I mean, you don't always have to go to Europe to be that mark of excellence in world football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought after early discussions you were going to say Qatar. <laughs> I think he should just fine in Qatar. Just slide um, into his DMs, Matt, and just be like, <laughs> "Can I offer you the QSL?" Yeah. Speaking of uh, tough times in Europe, how's poor Matty Miller during the week? Where he's got it came out in the same tweet. It's uh, Shrewsbury have elected not to sign Matt Miller, and he'll be returning to Newcastle. Also, he's contracted coronavirus over there. <laughs> it was a real. The tweet was a real. P.S. He has coronavirus. It was a real, that, a real sort of that energy. Um, I think, from what I can understand, they really liked him, and they would be glad to um, have him. But um, League One, being uh, you know, it played entirely within the country of England uh, and the United Kingdom. And fifty thousand dollars doesn't exist right now. Um, that yeah. I, I think in normal circumstances they would probably just yeah fifty k no worries. But um, so that's bad for Maddie. Um, hopefully he's all, he, him and his family are well in terms of the, the health side of things. Um, but uh, it looks like he'll come back to Newey and, and help them out, which isn't a bad thing. I loved watching him, so yeah, uh, yeah. he'll 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 help that side. And more more A League like good A League players at Newcastle can't possibly be a bad thing as well. No. Mm. Hugely, hugely beneficial to to the to the league. Really, the fifty thousand uh, would the fifty thousand would have helped too. Let's be honest. So yeah. it's a, yeah. that's a, <laughs> that's, that's rough. Um, the ACL. The word about the ACL is that uh, there'll be a hub uh, mid mid to late April is when it will be, and that's causing huge headaches for the A League because these teams, like the teams that are in the in the ACL, and this is. The, is this a continuation of the victory, the one that victory is still in currently, or is it the new one? It's going to be in Qatar, be, isn't it, Matty? So no, the West, the West will play their hub in in Qatar as just about everything's uh, lobbing up there at the moment. No, the Eastern hub, I think the word was uh, might be Malaysia, which okay. would certainly reduce a lot of the uh, the travel considerations. But 
as I think you alluded to, it's still not something that any of these teams really want to be doing, you know, mm. in the uh, in the near future. April will be do- right. And it doesn't just affect the teams participating. It affects then the teams, um, you know, still at home who are already going to have to endure a bunch of rearranged fixtures. They're going to be further. It's just a nightmare. Um, So, um, you know, let's let's hope for a cure or a vaccine. Yeah, yeah. Yes, please. That would be that would be wonderful. <laughs> One cure, please. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if I was the coronavirus, I'd simply just knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just die off because I cannot find a I cannot find a host. Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah. Anyway. Um, a couple of things in the W League uh, caught our eye as well. Obviously, the Melbourne Victory fans behind the goals throwing bottles at. Um, at the city keeper, come now, guys. Do we really have to have this conversation? Like seriously, do we really have to have this chat now? You can't. You can't be doing that. You just yeah. can't be doing that. It's, you know, it's, it's some real yutz behavior there. It's it like, is. yeah, like it just—it's never been okay to do that ever. Yeah. You know, there's never been a time where it's been like, oh yeah, it's all a bit of fun. We used to throw bottles at them back in the day. Like it's just no, it's just terrible, terrible behavior. You can't do that if you can't. Like, if you feel the need to throw bottles at a at a game, like just find so something you, else to do. If you feel the need to do that, they should identify them and ban them for fucking life. Like, let's not yep. pussyfoot around. What are we doing? Like, yep. it's a joke. So that's just shit out. So they're not, it's they're not fucking ten years old. And if they are, still ban them. <laughs> on a lighter note, um, turn them onto another sport. Like, fuck it, we don't need them. On the lighter note, <laughs> I did. I did enjoy. Maybe, maybe single people do it, crackers. We don't know. <laughs> Frankly, I don't want to know. Yeah. Sorry. I did. I did enjoy as well the visual of uh, like the two teams coming out at uh, McDonald Jones Stadium for the Newcastle Brisbane W League game, and as they're walking out to uh, to do the pregame pleasantries, <laughs> the sprinklers come on and just start spraying everyone. Absolute quality. Yes. <laughs> so, and the, the girls screaming as well. <laughs> Poor things. Yeah, was... Here on the effects, Mike. Ah! Comical. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like vintage A League stuff happening in the W League. It's uh, it's it's perfect. Um, before we finish up, I just wanted to discuss uh the listener stuff that we we some of the listener feedback we got from the week. Um, Dave Skavach. Uh, tweeted at us he uh a huge fan of the podcast dave uh, and a great man and he had some uh he's interested in he's a huge fan of players tucking their shirts in um and he wanted us to to discuss it i'll find the actual tweet um i should have been a bit more prepared for this but um i'm sure i think he would have had he would have had a conniption when he saw uh, james teresi untuck his to wrap the ball in his jersey after scoring (laughs) he said you you said you fellas need to get granular about players tucking their shirts in. I'm well behind it. Looks unreal, and I've got to. I've got to say, I, I, I quite like it as well. It's a, it's a, it's a sets you apart. Well, apart, apart from Maddie McKay and what and Brandon O'Neill, uh, neither of who are still in the league, are there, are there any modern day proponents of the tucked in shirt? No, I can't think of any really. If you have the tuck Maybe. in. With the, you know, so the the ultimate is the tuck in with the long sleeve, and then you're yes. on something. I thought that's right. Isn't that why I thought? Well, I don't know. I'm gonna unlike Dave. I will take don't worry about granular. I'll just start taking an, an initial look at this because um, I, I thought 
that forwards particularly should be tucking their shirts in because then when they get tugged, it looks they can make more of a song and dance about it. You know what I mean? When it gets taken out of the pants um, by the, the, the defender. So like, good good point, David. And um, I know uh, certainly Rudy in his futsal days always tucked his shirt in. So it's uh, it's something that <laughs> I look look forward to seeing more of. And I'll uh, we'll report back, I think, semi-regularly on this one. Re- renowned shirt tugger Rudy Edsel. <laughs> yes. I was about to say, you guys are really desperate. This guy's too fast for me. Come here. Can we please have more than three games a weekend? Yeah. We also um, we had a few we had a few people get in touch with us about the uh, A League players being recast in the movies as very popular. Um, ben Smith, he said that he was the man that kicked it all off. He said he wants a diehard remake with Matt Simon as John McClane, Thomas Broich as Hans Gruber, uh, with assorted German A League representatives as his crew. Marcus Babel, perhaps as Carl, and uh, Mitch Nichols as Alice, due to his disposability among A League clubs. I thought that was really, really good. Um, I quite like. There's a few, a few, um, a few other ones. The uh, Mark Wagner said, um, "Snakes on a Plane," starring uh, Costa Barbarossa and Vedran <laughs> and Yedovich. <laughs> Carl Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and no, Bob, Bob yeah. the Builder, starring Carl Robinson. Yeah, that is one. He had a, another one that was um, he just uh, a <laughs> uh, Forrest Gump starring Karen Bullock. That scene with uh, Gump like <laughs> running across the area. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, good stuff. And then um, Smithy uh, G underscore Mansmith got in touch with us. The Usual Suspects starring Thomas Broich, Lee Broxham, Matt Simon, Alex Wilkinson, and Ernie Merrick as Kobayashi. <laughs> Which is good. The real usual suspect stuff. And of course, Ando or Thrill Thrill House FC, he um, he hit us up after we butchered it last week with a Google search for how to pronounce house. And it's house, just like house, but H A U S. I don't speak German. Sorry. Sorry for any offense caused, Ando. Um, I think that just about wraps us up for this week, boys. um, We've managed to, we were worried about uh, how much content we'd have. We've, We've, Squeezed pretty much an hour out of this. So. Fifty-three minutes of bullshit, two minutes of content. It's um, it's been the, good. Sounds like the A League. The, the, the instruction in the box motto, isn't it? No, we owe a huge, uh, huge debt of gratitude to you, Matthew, for coming in. Thank you, mate. You've been terrific. Uh, not a problem. Anytime. You've got, you got the four Alex Tobin votes tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Sensation. I can, I, I can win a. 500 bucks from Ab at the end of the season. How good. <laughs> I like that. All right. So, yeah, that's been enough from us. I've been your host, Rudy Etzel. I've been joined by Andrew Clark. Thanks, Rudy. Chris Alloy. Thanks, Rudy. Thanks, Coleman. And another big thank you to Maddie Coleman for coming on board. Cheers, Rudy and team. We'll see you next week.